Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. We moved to a place with a view off of 8th Avenue after we said I do and we watched cause of bachelorettes 2 a.m. cigarettes and traffic get it downtown in the interstate was so loud there was a lot it had to drown out to say that a i had never heard this song before and b when you said you need the clean edit of the song penthouse <laughs> well, okay uh, what, what, what must this mean but <laughs> it's kelsey ballerini yes there's i think in the regular i actually i don't think i know because i have the the original song um there's just one bad word at the end <laughs> well, let's see what happens. Not in this version. <laughs> Doesn't this just, I mean, stab you in your heart? It is so <laughs> gut-wrenchingly beautiful. Where are you hearing all these songs that we don't know? <laughs> My head. You just live in a coffee shop all day? I mean, we're... Where do you no, get all these it's songs? It's nowhere in this building. I don't know any of these. I don't care. I know who she is, but I don't know this song at all. Well, there's this whole trend right now, and uh, there was even an article about it the other day. I think it might have been in Rolling Stone about this uprise in uh, divorce albums. Miley Cyrus has hers, and that the song that became so big, you know, the um, I can't think of it because I'm hearing Kelsey. Gonna bring Ballerini. you flowers. The yes. One, yeah. Um, I can buy myself flowers. Mm-hmm. I, I sing on the radio a lot, guys. I'm going to stop this. Well, oh, it's funny. I was, we were riding in the car the other day, and I was riding with my wife, and that song came on. And I said, I don't understand. Like, like I understand Miley Cyrus is popular to a degree, but that song is broken records. Oh, it's and, huge. And I don't think it's that. It's an okay song. Oh, me. see, I think it's great, and I think the reason that it's so popular is because it speaks to some part of, of of us as women, I think, especially who have been brokenhearted because we've been cheated on or, uh, you know, we've gone through a really heartbreaking breakup, which I think we all have gone through that, right? We've, I mean, not necessarily the cheating part, but the heartbreaking breakup. I mean, my first love, that breakup, oh, it was so painful and it was just this dramatic. And when you're in your 20s, you know, everything's dramatic. And so these songs kind of represent... I don't know the gut-wrenching heartbreak, but they also represent coming back, which is, that's what this is. It's kind of like, you broke my heart, but I can buy myself flowers, dang it. (laughs) You know? It's this kind of empowering thing. I can hold my own hand. I don't need you. And this was written because her husband did cheat on her. And there's this whole story behind the video itself. She, the video is shot apparently in 
a house that she rented that she found out, which is where he cheated on her. And the dress that she's wearing in the video is a dress that she was wearing on a red carpet with him when he was being kind of cruel to her and telling her that she didn't look good. And so she's wearing that dress. And the song itself, lyrically, I'm really sad that I know all of this, guys. You have a lot of information on this song. This, the, she, one of their songs was that Bruno Mars song, um, I should have bought you flowers. I should have held your hand. That was like their wedding song or something. And so she's playing on that. Like, I can buy myself flowers. I can hold my own hand. And it's a play on the words of the song that was their song. So it's kind of brilliant when you really think about it. Because she's just kind of... Uh, coming out and saying, yeah, he hurt me, but I can do this on my own. And your song could be, I could buy my own chihuahua. <laughs> my song could be, I could buy my own chihuahuas. Well, mine were, <laughs> I rescued mine, so they were super cheap. <laughs> Again, don't tell them that. Yeah. I, I go back to, it's a, I think it's a decent song. I don't think it's, I don't even think it's the best Miley Cyrus song I've ever heard. Oh, I love it. But. I love it. And the Kelsey Ballerini song is about her divorce and the and the very last line of her her of the of the penthouse song is I bought the house that we saw. You said it was wrong. I wanted it all along. And now we don't talk. And it's things rolling up the welcome mat. No trying to keep up with you. <laughs> yeah, here's like, it stings. It's like storytellers. <laughs> I mean, I, it's interesting because, you know, Taylor Swift has become famous for writing songs about her relationships yeah. that didn't end well. Now, people are starting to speculate that maybe she and Travis Kelsey will ultimately get married. I don't know, but I, I always think with Travis Kelsey... You know, he's this football player. They're all, everything that they're chronicling and they're, you're showing, is this going to be part of a song? Like the other day when they right. were, <laughs> I mean, I thought this was pretty funny. Ahead of the game on sa on Saturday night that everybody talked about so much that was so cold, and they, they, they showed Taylor Swift in her suite, and the window was frozen. Yeah. And so she's standing there with this sort of melancholy look on her face that they— they captured at a moment, and and she can't see the field because it's all fogged up, and somebody captured or staged. Well, well, but see, <laughs> I, I'm glad you said it that way because somebody captioned that uh, on Twitter and said, "Taylor's next album cover." Oh. <laughs> I mean, She's standing in front of this so foggy. It's just her. There's no one. There's always ten thousand people in a suite, but it's just her <laughs> looking alone, the looking through the fog. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they do break up, man. that's a double album, I think. Oh yeah. Song. Oh, Are you kidding me? Well, but, but I think there's it's a whole tour. <laughs> The Travis Kelsey Revenge Tour. The Hard Knocks season <laughs> next year. But, you know, like men have always, songwriters have always used their personal experiences. They've always written heartbreak songs. I mean, Drops of Jupiter, your favorite song, Bo. Best soy latte that I never had. From Train. He, uh, he wrote that song about the death of his mom. Mm -hmm. And that whole thing, I mean, people use their personal experiences. And I love that these young women are, are, are just empowering themselves with these kind of very honest, raw, truthful songs about I me. Mean, Huey, Huey Lewis said, don't take money, don't take fame. You don't need any credit cards to ride on this train. He also said, I want a new drug. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One that makes me feel like I feel I'm. I mean, come and on. he, he says, I'm happy to be stuck with but, you. But I will. But, but back to Taylor Swift. Uh, like, I, I know it's nothing new that people write about their relationships, but we know that she does it so prolifically that, like, you wonder what part of what we're seeing right now play out is going to be in the next oh, album. And it's going to be huge when we see it in the or when we hear it in the next album and we all say, oh, I saw that. Mm -hmm. I saw that moment. I saw when she ran off the stage and jumped in his arms and smacked <laughs> him with a kiss. You know, like, we're, we all lived it.
we lived it. And Patrick Mahomes' helmet cracked and right. all that stuff. So dramatic. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. We got a busy couple of weeks coming up. Beth and I will be at the Hood Hargett Breakfast Luncheon today at Char Bar, moderating a discussion between the city manager and the county manager. So Dina DiOrio and Marcus Jones, that's today. Then tomorrow, this entire show is on location at the 32nd Annual Union County Crime Stoppers Barbecue. This is, this is our second one together, Bo, and I am so excited about the turkey. They have smoked mm-hmm. turkey, and it's delightful. This is one of those few events where we are we get a, we get a grand welcome when we arrive, and you that know, rarely happens. Reed Helms, the guy who organizes all this, uh-huh. is waiting for us, and like they they brought us food last year, and it was uh, I was I was not expecting that, and I was uh, so you're right now now I am expecting that. right. And last year they had like nothing bunt cakes yes. too, and those are so good. If are you, you guys outside or inside for this? We're inside. inside. Okay, it's like like one degree. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank goodness we are inside, <laughs> okay. but it's cool because we're okay. in there right when you okay. come in. Audible. I know we were to say we were going to talk about well, this is this this falls in line. John Moore, uh, I gave you a clip uh, NFL one. Can I have that one? Um, I don't know if you guys have heard this yet, but when we're talking about inside versus outside, uh-huh. a reporter asked, Jim knows where I'm going here, the Tampa Bay Bucks coach, Todd Bowles, they're playing this weekend, they're playing Detroit, right? The Detroit Lions. Yeah. So much has been made about all of these cold, you know, cold site football games, uh-huh. especially the one last Saturday night. Uh, and, of course, the Iowa caucuses and all that, how, how, how cold it's been in certain parts of the country. Well, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks travel to... Detroit to play the Detroit Lions. Don't this, they have a dome? Uh, yeah. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we tend to to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? They got a dome. I don't um, no, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus going under the thing, so we'll be okay. At least he, hey, he answered the question. He did. Hey, guys, are y'all proud of me? I knew something that a sports reporter didn't know. You knew that Ford Field is in, is enclosed. Well, it's a dome. But do you know why I know this? Um, not because I hang out in Detroit at their <laughs> their uh, stadium. But they they broke a, a noise record at their playoff game. They it was like 138 decibels or something. Like they broke the, the their high. It's not the the biggest record in the world. That was the like a Kansas City. Is it weird that I know these things? Like it was a Kansas City stadium. But they broke a record for their stadium, and so I knew because it's inside. Um, because I was watching all the footage of the, all the people being loud. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine, like, as, as she begins like, oh, to answer the question, she's just standing there going, <laughs> I mean, you must, your whole body must just want to invert. You must just want to literally tuck your head into your behind and just walk out of the room. <laughs> well, I was talking to Winterbull. What a visual that is. <laughs> Winterbull, uh, we were talking about this yesterday when we were crossing the streams, and I said, uh, 
I said, it is kind of funny because so many of us, and look, I asked, the, I mean, we were all talking about the Iowa caucuses and who's going to show up, you know, in this crazy weather. And, you know, the Iowa caucuses are inside. So kind of the same thing. Now, now the game that happened last, last Saturday night in Kansas City, that's a whole different ball game because they have to be out there playing in the elements. So, uh, you know, that, and by the way, that's where I was actually going in the first place in this segment. We talked yesterday, I think Zoke was out of the room, but uh, the streaming numbers for the Peacock game on, on that, you know, the, the Peacock game that was the Chiefs and the Dolphins, so much was made about that. The most streamed event in the history of streaming. Well, this is just going to encourage more bad behavior by streaming places. Well, because now they're doing well with it. Well, there's a caveat, though. Uh-huh. It was the most streamed event, but then on the opposite side of that little fence there, the grass was actually greener because it was the least watched NFL game. Ah. So look at that. Hey, by the way, great use of the word caveat. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> she is Miss, Miss Thesaurus over here. So the, see John, Bernie, and me all sitting there going, hey, how about that caveat last night? Did you guys catch that caveat? That was something. <laughs> <laughs> but so for the NFL and for the broadcast networks, the grass is greener on the regular broadcast side of the fence because people are watching those games because people don't necessarily know except how to get the, Peacock. Or except what? in Detroit where it's fake grass. That's true where it's fake because yeah. they're in a uh-huh. dome, mm-hmm. which, by the way, guys, it was 133.6 decibels, making them the fourth loudest stadium in history. Wow. Enclosed. There you go. That's a lot of decibels. I know. So, so is it a good or a bad thing then that they had you were – Eyeballs, but they had the most streaming as far as making money. Well, I guess it's good for streaming, bad for the NFL because, uh, I mean, if streamers are going to want to get on in on this deal, they're going to have to figure out a way to get the eyeballs on their streaming platforms because the NFL would be stupid to continue going down that road if less people are watching or fewer people, sorry, are watching. But to Jim's point, I think that um, we know where this is all going. They're just going to have to, they're just going to keep ramping it up until the numbers match and then go the other way. But I do think it's interesting. So much was made that the the most streamed event ever is still the least watch game of last weekend. That was sneaky because the first headline was, those are huge streaming events. And, and then it <laughs> is that your huge streaming event voice? That was fangirl bet. No, but that's that's how they want you to feel because they're like, oh, this is huge. And then you, oh, a couple days later, but sorry, just a little side note. I didn't watch. Little it. asterisk there. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what what do we call that voice? We just we just got another one. I think fangirl. Like crowd, crowd scream bet. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to reach the 133.6 decibels. There's a little That's Donald it. Trump in there, too. Huge! <laughs> Huge! Huge. Bigly. was talking about the calendar filling up earlier. You just heard the mention of the District 8 debate at Wingate coming up on January 31st. I also meant to mention that we're going to be uh, emceeing the Dream On 3 gala coming up a week from Saturday night. That's right. And this year it's in a new location. The past two years it's been in Founders Hall. This year it's at the Convention Center. So there's room for more people. So we're so excited about it because we get to get all gussied up. Bo's got his tux. (laughs) (laughs) Never, Never in my life have I ever once said I'm getting gussied up. 
What does that even you mean? You have to be at least 80 to know what that phrase even means. Like, what is the origin of all gussied up? I actually I actually don't know. I'm going to look at this. All, all gussied, gussied up. up. If I knew that I was going to have to get gussied up, I don't know if I would have agreed to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bo has his uh, has his tuxedo, and and I bought yesterday, and I'm so excited about this. I bought blingy tennis shoes to wear with my evening gown because last year I was in heels. I was in these high heels, and ladies out there, you know the pain. I, I, in my 20s, I could wear heels and run around town, and, I, and my feet never hurt. I was in these heels for five minutes, and I felt like I had the flu. <laughs> my whole back was hurting. My legs were cramped. I couldn't stand up straight. My right shoulder started hurting. It was just miserable. You so, guys actually play basketball at the event though yes this is it was not one of those so footwear is very important do you remember the easy spirit uh-huh. yes. looks like a pump it feels, feels like, like a sneaker. sneaker yep that did not happen so i actually bought sneakers and i had so much fun by it. i mean these sneakers are ridiculous they're hilarious they're like do they all, light up they're all no that well kind of if you get them in a spotlight they're all rhinestones wow yeah yeah, yeah. I'm so excited about it. So I will be able to stand for hours on end and maybe even hit the dance floor after the event is over. Well, I'm here to tell you my son and I wear the same shoe size now, so yeah. I'm just going to borrow one. Of, you so know, he, are you going to wear sneakers, too? Well, I'm going to bring some, and if needed, I'll, I'll break them out. Just put it that way. Get some Air Jordans yeah. or something? He, he, yeah, see, I don't have – his sneaker game is good. Mine is not. I don't know. Keds? No, what do you got, Keds on? You, you, you have the ons, the ons, which, yeah, by the which way. Yeah, which my kids called, my kids called dad shoes. Mm. Ons are dad shoes? That's what I've been told. I don't, you know, that's not what I, I was going what for. Ons are. If you look at them from the side, if you look at the logo, it's, it almost looks like it says actually, QC. Actually, it's, it's on cloud. That's what they call, they're called. You oh, see really? That? See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So I must um, be grandma if I didn't know that the. The dad shoes were on yeah, cloud. Yeah, you're just over there getting gussied up. But it looks like QC, the logo. It looks like it, it says QC. It does, I know. The Queen I, City. Um, so you called me yesterday, and we were talking show stuff. And uh, during that, you know, you were multitasking. And you were doing something that I, I've been thinking about ever since. You were cooking your dog's food. <laughs> and I bring this up I because, because I, I really wonder how prevalent this is. There's a company, I don't think they advertise with us, but I've heard them on the radio before, the Farmer's Dog. Yes. You know, and, and you go into, for example, Publix now, if you go into the section where there's, there's, there's pet food, there's the dry food that's on the shelf, and then they have a refrigerator mm-hmm. of, fresh all, of, of fresh pet food. And it's, this seems to me like, a, like a, an area of shopping, of grocery stores that's relatively new. I don't remember that. You there being a pet refrigerator. I also don't remember there being such an emphasis on you know preparing your pet's meals. Now look, I have a dog, I've, and I'm not knocking it. We don't do that, but I hear these commercials, and I'm thinking, I wonder how many people out there do. Because then you, I said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm, I'm cooking my pet's food, and you started telling me what you were doing. It's a it's a lengthy process what you do for your dogs. Well, and I don't do it. It's not a daily. I don't cook every morning for them. I, I make it's usually what I make them usually lasts about a week. And of course, keep it in the refrigerator. But you know the commercial where the dude is out. He's at, like has a date over at his house, and she opens that. the refrigerator and she says, "Why do you have your dog's food in the refrigerator?" <laughs> yeah. she and he's like, like that. "Because it's the it's my dog's food. It's dog food." <laughs> and then he kicks her out of the house. The next is him closing the door. He's like, I didn't like that guy anyway. Right. Well, I so this all started for me with I had a Chihuahua that lived um, to be 16 years old. I, I got him when I was 20. He was part of my whole like young life. But when he was around 12, 
he developed Cushing's disease. And I ended up, I was doing a show for the Lifetime Network at the time, and I interviewed this uh, vet who had a very successful book called Chowhounds. The, the, the vet is called, his name is Dr. Ernie Ward. And he was a big um, uh, proponent of fresh food for dogs. And this was before Fresh Pet came out. This was before uh, farm, was it farm hound or farm? Farmer's dog. Farmer's dog. Yeah. Uh, and when my dog developed Cushing's, he, this vet actually lives on the coast of North Carolina. He invited me and my husband and the dog down to his home for lunch, and then he was going to check out the dog and see what he could figure out to do to help him. And we started talking about fresh ingredients for your dog. And he had a 12-year-old dog that was a big dog that looked like a puppy. And he said, I just feed him what we I would feed my family. And he was the one that suggested that we start giving my dog chicken. So what we do for what I do for our dog. Well, that's what I wanted you to say because when you described it, I'm thinking it sounds like you're making it for a person. Yeah, it's absolutely something that I could absolutely eat. It is um, uh, ground chicken, broccoli, cauliflower, carrots, Sweet potatoes and a little bit of brown rice. See everything in there but the chicken. I would not think to give my dog or make for my dog. And, and look, let's 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 put this out there. There are some breeds that you are told not to feed. Uh, you know, table scraps or regular person food. Well, table scraps are different because table scraps you you're, you've also you've often cooked with um, seasonings, salt. Mm-hmm. Salt is terrible for dogs. Garlic is terrible for dogs, and there are certain things that are toxic for for dogs that you would put on human food. But I don't put anything in. I boil the uh, vegetables. I um, I bake the sweet potatoes or microwave them if I'm in a in a hurry, and then I just put the um, the the ground chicken in a skillet, and I don't use any oil butter or anything you just you just cook it do they know you're cooking their stuff oh they do <laughs> they 100 percent do they hang out at my feet and i call it fresh breakfast day because <laughs> they know that they're going to get little bites of it and they love it just when i'm dumping in the sweet potato they love just bites of the sweet potato and just sweet potato makes their coat so soft and shiny I mean, it may be I, I, in my brain. That's what it is. Because my little, the little black and white Chihuahua that I have, her, mm-hmm. she shines like velvet. She's so shiny. Because of the carrots and the cauliflower. I think it's the sweet potatoes. Well, she loves sweet potatoes, and they eat carrots, just raw carrot sticks, as a treat. That's their favorite treat. Well, this is all interesting because you know the commercials that, uh, and there are lots of them for these fresh fresh uh, dog food or cat food uh, companies, but they all end up saying, you know, you're going to feed them just kibbles, dry kibbles. And I, I feed my dog kibbles. I feed them dry kibbles at night. They get a nighttime, I call it their crunchy. So they have fresh breakfast <laughs> and they have crunchy. And they know these words. It's like a five-star pet hotel. But I, I wonder how many people out there are go to the links that you do. Do you, act, do you, act, you actually cook meals specifically for your pets now lots of pets get some of the meal that we eat if there's some left over or my dog will sit at at my you know at at my feet until we're done because she she knows that if i every time i I get up and eat bacon and eggs she gets to clean the plate she gets a little nibble of that Mm -hmm. of that but i wonder how many people do what you do which is prepare entire meals with various different ingredients specifically for the pets. Well, and it's cheaper to do it yourself than to buy Fresh Pet or to buy one of the the, the subscriptions. I also want to know if people out there think that I'm crazy for no, cooking for my dogs. No, no. no. You think I'm crazy? My daughter works, uh, she always works with uh, cats and dogs adoption places, and she does what you just described to a T with the rice and the sweet potatoes and the chicken and all that. So oh, yay. It just makes it, and she does this for a living. So Oh, well, see, now I feel even better. If anything, I brought it up because when you told me yesterday, I wasn't surprised by it. I was thinking, I wonder how many, I wonder how, 
how how many people do this because there's so many commercials and it seems to be a, just a burgeoning industry of you know fresh prepared meals for pets like it's, it's the same way what was it blue apron the, those companies yeah. that you can have full meals sent to you to assemble yeah it's really becoming the same deal for pets because then you know exactly what they're eating you mm-hmm. don't you know there are no fillers i sound like one of those commercials no high hydrogenated <laughs> cornmeal or whatever but you know you're going you're going from what, what many of us used to just buy a bag and pour it in the bowl right and that's it right and and, and you know as with everything in life now there's <laughs> this only there's this little niche of a of a market and it's a growing niche but when you said it yesterday i thought to myself she's doing the full course meal, meal that no human will eat which is you know it's very uh, admirable but you. you could eat it if you were in a pinch you could just go and just get a spoonful <laughs> oh, so that, of the so dog that's food what it is. <laughs> yeah. if we're in a pinch everybody eats from the same bowl eat the dog food. <laughs> all right traffic check here's boomer von cannon hey thank you well hey we did that with jack jack his final two years i will tell you it made a difference yeah I know. we prepared the food it was the rice and, and the broccoli and things like that peas and yes. chicken yes oh peas yeah mm-hmm. I, I add peas in there sometimes my dogs made, love peas made a huge difference it really did oh boomer i'm I, coming I'm in there waiting. to hug you I, I think i speak for Jim Zoki, no dog of mine will eat peas. No, <laughs> you lost me on the peas. <laughs> well, slip him a beer every now and then. <laughs> They'll be okay. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. WBT, where business talks. Presented by Ram Pavement. News Talk 1110 WBT, Thursday, January 18th. We'll start by rewinding to the market close on Wednesday. Stocks fell after a stronger-than-expected retail sales report for December signaled a strong economy which dampened hopes that the Fed would slash interest rates soon. Spirit Airlines stock fell to take off again, falling 23% after falling nearly 50% on Tuesday after a federal judge blocked the budget carrier's acquisition of JetBlue Airways. An Apple stock fell 1% following news that the tech giant will be banned from selling watches with a blood oxygen feature following a federal appeals court ruling. The Dow winners, Boeing, United Health Group, and Salesforce. The Dow decliners, Caterpillar, Goldman Sachs, and Disney. The Dow falling 94 points, the Nasdaq down 89, S&P 500 down 27. Hillary Barsky, Fox News. Free markets this morning, everything is in the green. Dow futures up four, S&P futures up 17 nasdaq futures up 120 here we are i knew this would happen line one 704-570-1110 pam wants to weigh in on the uh the fresh dog food hi pam hey y'all hey pam <laughs> what's going on hi beth i just love you to death Bo, you're okay <laughs> nailed it <laughs> you to death too wait pam. wait pam pam will you do me a favor just tell me not okay tell me i'm fine you're fine all right there you go oh the way she said it though you're but fine she, but she did it she did it she did it the right way yeah that's right she could have said it. you're fine you're fine okay pam sorry what you got for us pam pam's like well bo just shut up i won the bo cephas ticket because that's the name of my dog. Oh. And he's a 65-pound border doodle, doodle, which is border collie mixed with standard poodle. Oh, I bet he's so cute. Oh, you wouldn't know. And one contest I lost because if I say, hey, (laughs) real loud, he thinks somebody's coming in the door and he starts barking. (laughs) 
He just wants to say hey to him, too. Oh, uh, see, he's sweet like you are, Pam. I don't know about that. Some people say I'm not that sweet. I'm from the South. Okay? We can have our main streaks. But um, let me tell you, I feed him nom nom. You've probably heard of it, Beth. They deliver it. It's t- completely organic, everything. And you know how much it costs? Oh, my gosh. How $70 much? $70 a week. Mm. A week? Mm. It's expensive. But I'll tell you, it smells so good. <laughs> and you could put it on a cracker. Mm. <laughs> Ooh. Wait, wait. You could, but have you? No, I have. Okay, okay. I was about to, you probably could because I bet you every single ingredient in it is human grade. You probably could. It's probably better for you than a Vienna sausage or a Vienna sausage. Oh, or a, I love Vienna. Me too. Me yeah. too, girl. Mm, me too. Me too, girl. It doesn't have any season. I'd have to put some salt on it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Pam, Pam just pulled John Moore into it now. Yeah. All right, I Pam. Mean, intriguing. I think that's awesome, but I bet your dog is probably healthy as a healthy as an ox. I don't know. He's laying right here right now. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know how we should do? We should all say hey and see if your dog oh, reacts. Oh, yes. Yeah, say all hey right. for oh, us, Pam, and wait, get your dog to talk. Wait, wait. We should do it. Oh, we should do it. All right. Ready? It. One, two, three. No, hey. hey. No, he's not paying attention. <laughs> all right. Just like the rest of the audience. Oh. <laughs> wow. Wow. From, deep, from way deep. <laughs> News Talk 1110 WBT. Coming up in the 9 o'clock hour today, the first live interview anywhere with uh, gubernatorial candidate Bill Graham. I have been so excited about this interview all week long. All week long. He's going to be in studio, so uh, he'll be here for the full hour, and we'll uh, we'll talk all about uh, his campaign, which is really... Uh, ratcheted up in recent days, uh, especially with the number of uh, ads he's running on on just about every station in town. So, uh, so Bill Graham, our longtime legal analyst, is now running for governor, and we're going to find out why he made that decision and how he plans to to uh, to win, and, uh, and and much more there. We also have David Chadwick is going to be with us at eight thirty-five today with the finale of the uh, City of Hope CLT campaign, and some really good news coming. Your way. Yeah, this is very exciting, exciting news. Now, last hour we were talking about uh, the fact that I cook random human food. Not random human food. I cook I cook for my dogs. Um, and we talked about the like the Fresh Pet subscriptions. And then Pam called in and said she does the Nom Nom co- prescription, uh, prescription, subscription for her dog. Um, I wanted to read some messages. that I love when people get excited about a topic. And Jeff from Matthews said, we have been doing this for decades. We learned this from my mom. We cook ground turkey, a mixture of vegetables and rice or quinoa, and in a pinch, it's dinner for me. That <laughs> says, I, I'm telling you, Jeff, you could absolutely 100% eat. And Pam said that she could put her nom nom on a cracker. The nom nom for her dog. She was like, it smells it's like so good. The old Andy Griffith commercials. Everything tastes good on a Ritz. You could put it on a cracker. <laughs> and then Brandy said, and I love this one. Brandy says, guys, I make an egg for my dogs and cat for breakfast every morning. I then make rice and different meat for dinner. I prep it weekly. They are so much healthier because of this. And I get a good breakfast before work every morning, too, because she takes the time to cook the eggs for the cat and dogs that she makes an egg for herself, too. 
Well, look, I was talking to you on the phone yesterday about this. This whole this all started because while we were talking about show stuff, you were multitasking, and I I found out that you were making a whole like a four course meal for your your dog. Well, because you were like I felt bad because I was starting the meat and it was sizzling really loudly, and you know how cell phones pick up every sound, and mm-hmm. I was like I don't want him to think I'm like in the bathroom or something. Or, <laughs> no, I don't. I, I just why would you be to... cooking in the bathroom? <laughs> well, I don't know what he was thinking the sounds were. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was cooking, and I was kind of, you know, you're chopping up the meat with a spatula. It sounds like a banging noise. I didn't want to think I was hammering a shed or something. I don't know. All these things that I wasn't thinking now, I'm, now I'm going back in life. Folks on their line going, wonder why she's hammering her shed. <laughs> yes. Well, I told you that um, I was asking not because I was casting any judgment on it. Actually, I told you, look, we have, uh, we have a dog. We have a miniature schnauzer, the third one that we've had. And um, and I have talked about my dogs on the air in the past, and I, I I've said in the past that uh, Schnauzers are are many of them are predisposed to pancreatitis. The last two, uh, the, the, the the only two that we've had, my wife had them before she was when she was younger. But the two we've had three, and two of them have had pancreatitis. So in the last third of their lives, we had to feed them a very very specialized diet. A lot of times, it, towards the end, we had to actually whatever we gave them, we had to smother it in peanut butter and basically feed it to them with a spoon because that's the only way that she would eat talking about rosie here but rosie and buster our our first two dogs had pancreatitis we had to give them insulin shots twice a day because they were diabetic so see i feel like if you started out early on a a, a whole food diet like this that maybe that would stave off uh, and potentially even prevent some of that because Maybe the maybe for the schnauzer, maybe there's too much of some product in the kibble, you know, that that causes uh, the the pancreas to get inflamed. Well, because <laughs> I am not a vet, I'm just going to let you know. I'm just speculating. Well, and just so you know, um, because we had that experience with the first two dogs, we, you know, we're a little bit um, we paid a little more attention now with with uh, Phyllis, our our third schnauzer, about things you feed them in the early going. So we don't just give them anything, but she's at the point right now where she doesn't have these strict dietary... Because um, she's a puppy still, yeah. unless she's young. But but it made me think about this because there are certain things that we said to the vet, all right, we would really prefer not to go down this route of, of insulin shots twice a day, the third go-round. You know, I mean, sometimes it's just, it is what it is, and, and the, dog, the dog is... You don't know why they, I mean, you know some of the reasons why they get it, but some of it you can't control, right? It just happens. Yeah. But um, but we, we don't, I think, as liberally feed them just scraps off the table anymore the way we did before we had these experiences later in, in the dog's life. Yeah. But w- so I am not at all. I, I wanted to come back around in this conversation and not say, I didn't ask you that question about you preparing your dog's meals because I think that's silly. I actually... I, I'm coming at it from the standpoint of I, I think there's probably more people out there than we think that are doing this on a daily basis. Well, and I love that because I've always felt a little, and, and, and I will admit I have time to do this because I don't have a family that I'm cooking for. You know, I don't have children, um, so I'm cooking for myself. I'm cooking for my husband, and my my dogs are the are the you kids do because they're your kids. They're our kids. Yeah. We have two Chihuahuas, oh. and you know, I make their I, I meal prep for them, and it's usually about once a do week. Do you help them with their season. homework at night? <laughs> I do. They're having trouble with quadratic equations right now, so I've had to go relearn some of the quadratic equation My dog formulas. is already better at quadratic <laughs> equations than I am. Well, it's funny. You know I'm not smarter than a dog or a fifth grader, so I can't <laughs> help they're, they're, I mean, they're or, the or a fifth grade meatballs. dog. Any of it, I'm not smarter than. 
I have brilliant dogs. They only they do know a lot of words. I'm telling you, my little tan man, the little the the bigger of the two chihuahuas, I call him the tan man. He I, I, he speaks English. I swear he knows all Baxter, of the words. Baxter, you know I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> I'm not even mad. Here I'm I am. impressed. I just looked over. I look over at Jim when you said my dog's name is Tan Man, and then I remembered I have a dog named Phyllis. So <laughs> I was gonna say well, his name's not Tan Man. I just call him Tan Man. Side tangent. I love dogs with old timey names. That's why we have Gus and Hank. So when you yes. said Phyllis, I was like Phyllis would totally hang out with Gus and Hank. Yeah. I love like Bert. Yeah, like, or a dog would yeah. be so It can't cute. be like Todd. It has to be like you know, like, a, like an old name. Here's know, my something. dog, Gordon. Gordon. <laughs> Fran. Hey, <laughs> hey, here's my dog, Boomer. That would be a cool dog Spot. name. Oh, my gosh, Boomer. That was a TV show, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Boomer. I had a dog named Boomer. My first dog was a poodle, and his name was Boomer. Just hanging around the old dogs, aren't you, girl? Yeah. Yes, babe. I love Boomers, I'm telling you. <laughs> I told you about my grandmother's cat named Michael. <laughs> Well, have you ever done the little game where they say, like, your stripper name is, like, your first dog's name and, like, the street you grew up on? Yeah, let's yep. go to traffic. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, um, we have some issues. <laughs> we sure do. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. interrupt this program to bring you a just received Wayne Troutman thought of the day. Is he in the bathroom? <laughs> Do you hear it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just... Oh, wonder if that's where the inspiration comes I'm, from. I'm going to uh, assume they're waterfalls. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. Now I completely can't, tripped me up. I can't unhear it now. <laughs> no, I can't either. It's like Frank Drebin leaving the microphone on. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's so what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, I think I, I think this actual thought from the Waniac speaks to me a bit. Oh. Who needs caffeine when you have a beautiful morning like this kicking off your day? I do. I need caffeine every day. <laughs> yeah, me too. As I, I, think yeah, yeah. I I'm sitting here drinking my third cup of coffee. Yeah. Although, I will say the sky outside of our studio today, Bernie pointed it out, it is stunning it's 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 the clouds are pink and red it's magenta it's so beautiful <laughs> and we got our thought for the day um i have to read this one too we wait, got our thought wait, hang on day. back to the show <laughs> all right we were talking about dog food and people who make you know elaborate meals for their dogs or just you know meals yeah I mean, really, it is. It's not elaborate. It's just a people meal for a dog. Right. It's it just uh, whole food for dogs. And by who, I mean you. Uh, yes, I do it. you were doing it yesterday, multitasking while we were talking about show stuff. And yeah. so, as uh, is quite the case often, those conversations become the show. <laughs> You know, what's funny is we talked about the, where did you get the recipe? And I'm telling him all about this book called Chow Hounds. And we went, it's like a 20 minute conversation about dog food. And then I said, oh my gosh, this is going to end up on the show, isn't mm -hmm. it? And he said, you know it. Yep, yep. Just okay. Like that. So we've gotten a lot of feedback, as we always do. Yeah. And I love it. I love, I love when you all uh, just join part of this conversation. Like Ed on line one, Ed wants to chime in on this. Woof, woof, Ed. Hey. Good morning, BT. How are? How is everybody? We yeah. are awesome, Ed. We hope you're doing great. 
Oh, well, yeah, I am. I'm heading into work, but yeah, I am. Oh, well, hopefully we can make that trip into work and you make work your radio? work day happier. <laughs> oh, I, lo- I, look- I look forward to you guys la- making me laugh every morning and Brett making me laugh in the afternoon. So <laughs> it's well-rounded. Uh, Winterble, right? Not Jensen. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Well, yeah. I mean, we laugh at Jensen, right? <laughs> Literally laugh at him. Everybody's got, everybody has to have somebody like that. <laughs> right, right. Just turned into a new promo. Hey, Jensen, hey, hey, break, this, break this news, Jensen. <laughs> You're a joke. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, anyway, with all- hey, yeah, when you guys were talking about the names, I was ta- I was telling Bernie. I think that's who answered the phone. Um, my wife, when uh, she before I met her, she was she was a big into Sons of Anarchy. So oh. she got three Chihuahuas. Oh. Uh, the first, first, yep, the first one she named Tig Traeger, and the second one she named Chibi. Oh, and I love it. At the, <laughs> and at the time, she was babysitting for her friend's uh, son, and you know she used to have to watch the Despicable Me movie. But he could Nicholas could never say despicable me. He can only say spickle me. So now we the third one got named spickle me. <laughs> I love your wife so much. Not only because she has chihuahuas, well done. Uh, but there's a great name, spickle me. Yeah. Well, and she's been doing this a long time. She's been fostering dogs. We just had our. Uh, well, I say our because I'm with her now. But she has actually helped foster 509 dogs in the 30 years that she's been doing this. Oh, wow. I love her so much. What a big heart she has. If yeah, I, so, so she and I need to do just like start working together because my, my dream would be to have just a ton of land and just rescue all the chihuahuas, all of them. Just have them all. <laughs> yeah, no. She, she calls that uh, foster fails when people keep, keep get a foster dog and keep it. Like, yeah. But oh, so I would be a foster a, failure. <laughs> a yeah, foster I, I think, failure. I think Craig would put a stop to that at some point, though. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> Ed, thank you for calling, man. We appreciate it. Uh, he's already gone. I uh, love Ed. He had to go to work. Remember? He had to go to work. That's right. Uh, his commute just ended. We were just talking about the um, how beautiful the sunrise is after listening to my dad's uh, mm-hmm. thought for the day. And um, uh, William and Shirley sent a... A, a, a screenshot sent me a picture and said, heard, heard you talk about the sunrise. I took this this morning in Indian land, and it's the, the, the beautiful clouds. I did not do that justice. I stumbled all over it, but it's no. pretty. I got excited because she was it's excited visual, about though. the sunrise. Yeah. Well, people can see the sunrise while they're What driving. you're trying to say is I you're looking out it. the window, and you're seeing the magenta and all the colors, and all you can think is, good morning. <laughs> That's how it works around It's the here. magenta. That's right. It's a sugar bath sunrise. Have you seen it, Mark? It's stunning. No, it's Beth. No, no, Beth. He has no windows. Oh, that's, that's true. Right. You're, You're ever in the locked, news closet. We're locked in a closet here <laughs> reading news. 1956 <laughs> newsroom. Hey, it smells like beef bullion. After the news, I have reason to play something that uh, I love to play whenever I have the opportunity, but it's just you know few and far between when I get to play it. And uh, it actually has something to do with... Uh, Good morning. It does. Okay, this is getting weird. I feel like we're on the radio now, and now we're getting targeted ads because of what we're talking about in our segments. You guys hear that commercial <laughs> yeah. a few minutes ago? But yes! About the fresh, freeze-dried dog uh, food. What was it called? Nature, Nature's Bounty Nature's or something? Nature's Bounty or something like that? What I mean, is it? I think I had none of us knew the Nature's name. Nature's Please? 
Nature's blend. blend. <laughs> Nature's <Yeah>. bounty. <laughs> Bo and I are going to start our own dog food, and we're going to call it Nature's Bounty. What bounty. was it called? Dog sunshine? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just heard it. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So that's really kind of spooky because, you know, you talk about how your phone will yes. put things in your social media feed based on things it hears you say. Yes. Now AM our, radio works now the same our, way. Now our radio station is doing that to us. Cutting edge AM radio. I'm telling you. This is crazy. All Since right. If you like that, you'll like this. <laughs> Let's sweat! Come on! That's right, shake it, honey, shake it! Okay, I know that's not the real thing. I'm a pony! Don't you feel like a pony? Don't you feel like a pony when you sweat? Oh, yeah! But I mean, Eddie Murphy, that whole movie, was channeling who? He was channeling Richard Simmons. And I'm here to tell you that uh, as of yesterday, we learned that there's, there is a Richard Simmons biopic. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. We a all, biopic. We all, we all grew this year from you. <laughs> That's the only caveat. That's my first rule. <laughs> like yourself. Your weight doesn't matter. If you like yourself, you're going to be fine. But I've been where you are right now. And where I'm right now is I just love myself, every part of myself. And I think I can show you how to get here. Please welcome Richard. So a short film called The Court Jester is going to debut at the Sundance Film Festival. And it's a it's a mini movie, a mini biopic about Richard Simmons, which you know, Richard Simmons, when you say, when I, look, I remember growing up and Richard Simmons, where did he first show up? It was in the morning on one of those shows. I think it was, it, it, it was like a, um, first started in an L.A. morning show, and then he ended up on the equipment, like GMA or something, one of the national morning shows, started showing up and doing little exercise segments in his shorts, and then it was on Phil Donahue mm-hmm. and like okay, Oprah. that's what it was. That's what it was. Donahue. That's where I think I first saw him. I think that's where I first saw him too, because he had these little teeny tiny shorts and his fun little tank top and his <laughs> little push down socks and high tops. And he has been a frequent caller to Howard Stern for years. I yeah. mean, if you've listened to, to to Richard Simmons on on Stern, it's legendary. But then. Then the guy, Richard Simmons, sort of fell off the map, and then people were wondering where he was. And about, I think it was 2016 or so, uh, he did an interview with uh, Savannah Guthrie because there were rumors that he was being held against his will, and he was, you know, uh, people just hadn't seen him in so long, and he wouldn't respond to things. So he finally did respond and said, I'm okay. But that was 2016, and I don't know when's the last time we actually heard from Richard Simmons. And then hearing from Richard Simmons when he was his Richard Simmons self. Yeah. I will never forget. I said this. Jim, Jim Zoki knows about what's, he, you know what's about to happen. Uh, it's too bad Brett McMillan's not here today. But every time Brett McMillan returns here and I'm here, he knows what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to dip into the uh, annals of 1997. Uh, let me try to do it by turning the volume up. That always helps. And scene. Hmm. <laughs> now it's not working. What am I doing wrong? Hang it, on, John Moore. Let me. It's on a cart. Part. Yeah, it's on a. It would actually, it actually originally was on a cart, and here we go. You'll right never there. guess who just quietly You'll walked into the studio. Know just how 
much I love biscuits. <laughs> Understand. You know, I'm glad I'm here because I've been listening. I did my push-ups to this show. You all are really serious. We have now included someone else in our little ensemble. Whom? Mr. Sports. Mr. Sports. Brett McMillan is <laughs> here. He is Mr. Sports with his free shirt that he got at a golf championship. There you go. It's a great tradition. Now, I'm going to start the sports, okay? And okay. then you'll go. And now the sports. Hi, I'm Dick Simmons. Salsa. <laughs> that was... Danny Fontana. Danny Fontana cackle. And Brett McMillan was filling in that day for Rosinski because uh, he was doing sports at the time. And he, he was just fascinated with Brett McMillan. But then the next part, which you're going to hear is, and you have to listen for this, Al Gardner was trying to take back over the show because I was sitting I was sitting in this room just as we are now and and Richard Simmons was going to supposed to be with us in like the seven o'clock hour well he showed up about 30 minutes early and he came to that window right there and he put his foot up on the window with his shorts you know and and just started doing these leg gyrations and then he walked in and what you're about to hear is Al tried to maintain control of the show and Richard would not let him um, it's one of my favorite clips of all time. Good morning, Charlotte. <laughs> uh, Stand by. More with <laughs> What did you say? I said bite me. You did not say that. This is the number one station. You can't say that. I can't. I take it back. Why are you touching me? <laughs> you know what? Danny is touching him I on wanted the to see now. the pictures. Danny. Who looks older, me or Richard? This is a good question. Oh, please. Come oh, on. please. <laughs> please get some new glasses. <laughs> He's looking at Danny and laughing. I don't know. Danny's exercising. He's in a program. He's doing great. He's lost a lot of weight. I have. I actually have. You love food. You, really have. you, you love food so much it scares me. Yeah, well, I do. You, and you eat late at night. No, oh, no, God, no, you, no. Oh, stop. Now, Richard, you do a four o'clock. Stop. You know show. what? I go to tell, bed at 8 o'clock. Excuse me. Tell what? somebody else your problems. <laughs> <laughs> you eat. God. That was 1997, and and I wish I had the whole clip of it because in the whole you, you heard that part where Al was talking. He goes ah, yeah, <laughs> he kept he just doing that over singing. and over. And you guys know Al. Al's trying to go traffic and weather. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> it was, I this morning news. Yes, I, I I I that is one human being I would love to hug. Richard I would, Simmons. Yes. Well, Al I'm, Gardner. I, he would. <laughs> Simmons would love to. I'm surprised you've never hugged Richard Simmons. I'm, I, I feel like he's a person I would want to meet and and have a conversation with. I think that might I feel be. Like the universe might explode. I know. <laughs> Seriously, that's <laughs> a much, lot of energy. The unstoppable energy. force and the immovable object. <laughs> <laughs> Too much energy in one room. So anyway. And when I came on to this show with you, Bo, are you now Al Gardner trying to get control? Ah! <laughs> I'm just going to start going, ah! How was that? That was pretty good. Was that, good? That, was good. that was pretty good. So uh, all of which to say, a Richard Simmons biopic yes. is coming to well, uh, theaters. They could have not cast that better. Pauly Shore. Yeah. Pauly Shore. So that was the thing I left out. We buried the lead. Yeah. Paul. Well, when you have that audio, you kind of have to go to it, right? Right, right, right. Uh, Pauly Shore. The old MTV star. Pauly Shore. What was it? What's his show called? Like Yo MTV or Yo Hops or Yo, no, Yo that was Bro? Yo, no, that was Yo MTV Raps. Oh. He, he was on that. <laughs> he was on MTV back then. He was, was, but not Yo what MTV was his, Raps. What was his show called? I, I think it was called the Pauly Shore Show. Oh. I was, I was way That's off. That's a good name, too. <laughs> Beth has just rewritten history. Paul East Shore was the host of Yo! MTV Raps. <laughs> but isn't that perfect casting for Richard Simmons? Oh, yeah. well, they look alike. And Richard Simmons will play Paul East Shore in the Paul East Shore biopic. Oh. <laughs>
of UMTV Raps. If you watch the trailer, and it's online now, I played a little snippet of it. He really, I mean, Paulie Shore looks like Richard Simmons. He and, sure does. And that's a hard <laughs> that's a hard one to, to mimic correctly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has the little, the little curly hair mm-hmm. and the whole thing. Whole nine mm-hmm. yards. Right, you just did the whole time and go, ah! <laughs> WPT. All right, before I crank up uh, the uh, the bat signal here, we were just saying, Paulie Shore, what was the name of his show? And Beth said, uh, Yo MTV Raps. <laughs> no, but I couldn't remember it either. And now... <laughs> I'm in the freaking stony individual. Because I'm the weasel. Dude, check out the wood you created. Are you down to chow some serious grind, dude? Go start, so chill and major. Totally Polly. Totally Polly. And you know how we always do those segments of the words that we don't know that young people are saying now? He just said all of the words that our generation said, like <laughs> chillin', totally gnarly. Totally Polly. Totally winnable. Yes. Crossing the streams on a Thursday morning ahead of, uh, we're all going to be out at the uh, Union County barbecue tomorrow. Looking forward to that. That's right. Looking forward to it. All hands on deck. How are Exciting. you today? What's going uh, on? I'm great. You, you know who uh, Polly Shore's mother was? I do not. Was it Dinah Shore? Mitzi Shore, oh. who opened the comedy store in uh, Hollywood, the v- famous comedy store. Really? Correct. Really? You don't think that that would have had something to do with him getting a job over on MTV, <laughs> do you? <laughs> what are you talking about? That was a groundbreaking show. No. Oh, God. <laughs> it's the weasel. <laughs> I, I will say, have you have you seen the the... the the trailer for this uh, Richard Simmons deal, like he's playing uh, he's playing Richard yeah. Simmons, and and sometimes in life yeah. you have these actors. That's perfect, actually. You know, it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's just, just like, um, oh, never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, on to the uh, campaign trail. This was yes. Trump in New Hampshire last night. People behind Nikki Haley are pro amnesty. They're pro China. They're pro open borders. You know she wants open borders. Don't kid yourself. Pro war. And they're pro-Biden because those are the people that are sending them. Biden people are coming in. They have Biden stuff, and they're coming in to register and to, to vote in your primary. It is crazy. you got to get that changed. We're going to take it. If we weren't popular, how do you win? Where everybody's allowed basically to come and vote. The radical left Democrats are supporting Nikki Haley because they know she's much easier to beat than Trump. And you know what? If she weren't, they wouldn't be doing it. So this is uh, more of the ramping up the uh, the attack against Nikki Haley. And uh, the latest numbers show a little bit of he has a little bit more room than he. You know, it, this is crazy season because you have polls thrown at you every single day. And a lot of times they say completely different things. But uh, Trump versus Haley. This is uh, right in the middle of the radar as we head to Tuesday. So I have an observation to make about the way Trump is campaigning against both Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Okay, Mm -hmm. he does not ever go for the kill shot. He he doesn't. There's a number of things he could say. There's a number of things he could point to. Um, He doesn't go for the kill. He goes for the uh, if you'll forgive that term uh, when he's going after the Biden administration. But he he he's. Keeping them around like he could dispatch DeSantis and Haley, probably if he really wanted to, he could deploy all the stuff that he deployed against Hillary Clinton and and things like that. I'm not saying identical things. So I still contend that these people, as much as he is pummeling them a little bit, are in the circle of trust still. Um, So it's just it's one of those things. I, 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 I continuously feel suspicious about the direction of this. He's just trying to get them out of the race. And, and I think it's I think um, I'll go a week from 
Monday, this coming Monday, they're both out of the race. Okay, so if that's true, when they're out of the race, yeah. are Haley and DeSantis eventually going to make nice with Trump, do you think? I, I don't know that, but I think they're going to sit by the phone waiting. I, I think they're going to sit by the phone waiting. Uh, Sebastian Gorka was talking uh, last night to Eric, uh, what's his face, uh, over on uh, Newsmax, uh, Eric Bowling, mm -hmm. and and he says he knows who Trump is going to pick as a veep. Uh, he's in that he's in that like super circle of trust, and he basically was saying he says it's a guy, but I don't know if I believe that. He says it's a guy, and it's somebody that nobody's talking about. I also don't believe that. Um, I, I I I continuously think that somehow, some way. Either DeSantis or Haley are going to be in that mix in some way. I don't think Vivek is going to be it because he doesn't want to be upstaged by a 38-year-old guy who's potentially a loose cannon. But Vivek Ramaswamy went to Yale Law School, and Vivek Ramaswamy could con could possibly be an AG in a second Trump administration. Um, so I, I don't know, but this is—I I feel like there's—he's not destroying them like he did— Chris Christie. That's well, all I'm saying. Vivek made a prediction um, a, a, about a week ago suggesting that DeSantis and Haley might team up. And, uh, you know, one of them announced that the other was going to be their VP pick <laughs> in order to take Trump out in the uh, primaries. Do you uh, see that as a, a path to victory for either one of these? No. I, mean, I just I, I don't I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to be a, a, a mean person, but no, I because that's that's the Panthers teaming up with the commanders. Um, <laughs> it, 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 yes, you could you could have something, but you don't have enough to to, to get to the to, to get to the big house. And um, I, I don't see I don't I don't think I, they, they may do that as a last minute thing. Right. They may do that as a last minute thing, kind of like when Ted Cruz picked Carly Fiorina to be his vice president. Uh, after Pence went with Trump. So I, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Well, that's why I asked you about making nice, because, you know, we know in 2016, you know, we, we were at the convention that night. You and I both were there wondering if Ted Cruz yeah. was going to walk down <laughs> yeah. during the speech. But uh, all right, uh, the Brett Winterbull Show, yeah. 3 o'clock today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, Bill Graham joins us next hour in studio for the entire hour. He's running for governor. First live interview since he made that announcement. First one he's done anywhere. And uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour, David Chadwick joins us. The final numbers for the City of Hope CLT campaign. I want to talk about something. Uh, I've been trying to find a spot to talk about this for the last few days. Look, straight up, I'll tell you may lose my man card for this, but, uh, I mean, guilty pleasure show for me. I watched it all through high school and even when I was in college. I was a big Beverly Hills 90210 guy. Oh, now, I was huge in a huge 90210 fan in the early years. Uh, they lost me later on when they started going to college. And After they lived their in first that. year of college. The, you, know, you know when uh, Brenda left and then, uh, what's her name, Valerie, uh, Tiffany, Amber Tiffany Thiessen, Amber Thiessen. She was there for one season, and then after that it got kind of, the storylines got un you didn't believe them anymore they got wonky yeah all right so but i bring this up because shannon doherty and admittedly here one of my 
celebrity crushes when I was a, a kid. I, lo- I loved Brenda on, on 90210. I know you're going like, where is he going with this? Shannon Doherty has cancer. Shannon Doherty was diagnosed with cancer uh, what back in 2015, I believe. Uh, diagnosed with breast cancer, had a mastectomy, underwent chemotherapy and radiation, was in remission by 2017, and then uh, the, the cancer... Uh, uh, returned and now it's spread to her spine and now she's recently said that uh, it has spread to her brain and look uh, giving all given all those details uh, I don't think Shannon Doherty has a lot more time with us but she's talking frankly about death and she's talking specifically about her funeral and one of the things she said this week which really stuck with me ever since she said it was uh, this is on her podcast she's planning what she calls a love fest funeral with a long list of people not invited. You know, you hear people from time to time, some people don't want to do this, but some people, as part of planning their will and planning, you know, every, every last detail of their life, want to be specific about hymns that get played at a, at a funeral or how the funeral, who, who officiates the funeral, where it is, all that stuff. Well, now she's going as far as saying, I want to I want a guest list and there's certain people that should not be allowed to come inside. Yeah, she actually has a not guest list. And if you think about, I mean, we just had in 2023, if you think about the pre-planning of a funeral, think about the royal fu- funeral for Queen Elizabeth and how many years in advance something like that was mm-hmm. planned. And you wonder if Queen Elizabeth had a secret list of people that she said you are not going to be sitting within camera view <laughs> at, you know at Westminster uh, when we have the uh, the actual funeral, but you think about this, and you it makes you not only think about your own mortality, but think about it. Th- it makes you think about your own humanity. Because as soon as I saw this, you you and I both started talking about this concept, with the idea of facing your mortality. Do you, in that, in your heart, also want to be holding a grudge? Because those are two things that are coexisting at the same time, which seem. Um, in opposition to each other. And whether or not you go as far as to be mapping it out like she is, because on one hand, I have a question. Okay, you can say these are the people I don't want to come, but is somebody actually going to stand at the door to the church or wherever it is and say, no, you can't come in? Right. It, it, you know? And would she have a person, would she designate a I mean, person to do that? A bouncer, uh, as it were, to say, no, you can't come inside? Would it get to that point? And even if it didn't, just this idea when you think about because there's the old adage that um, I mean you would want a lot of people to come to your funeral right because that would mean a lot of people uh, wanted to pay their respects and respected you as a person and one it would be coming from a good place but then even if you wouldn't go as as far as Shannon Doherty's going here is basically spelling out who's not allowed to come in would you even be thinking that way that uh, there are people that I would just as soon not come that I think might I'd rather not have them there Now, I don't know if my perspective on this would have been different a decade ago, but since, you know, in the last, in fact, in February, it will be, and I can't believe this, eight years um, since my mom passed away. And having gone through that experience and gone through watching someone uh, pass away and from cancer, um, you know, her final conversations were about love and how that's really the only important thing in this entire world. And I hope that no matter no matter the no matter how many people have hurt me in this life or how many people have broken my heart or how many people have made me feel less than I hope that in the final 
you know, and even now, you know what, even now that my heart is open to forgiveness and to not holding on to the negative words, not holding on to the cruelty, uh, finding a path toward pure love. And in that, I hope that I would be granting that love and forgiveness even to people that may have wronged me while I was alive because they're going through a tough, I, this is the way I think about it. They're going through a tough life too. Life isn't easy. And we are all, that this is hard to think about. All of us, each one of us is the villain in someone's story. No matter how good we try to be, no matter how many great decisions we try to make, we are the villain in at least one person's story. And if you think about that, you hope that you can be forgiven for that, for whatever mistake you might have made. So I, I hope that I can forgive no matter what. And quite frankly, I'm gone. And I hope I'm in a great place, you know, after. And I'm probably going to just maybe not even know. Maybe I'm too busy up in heaven, hopefully, uh, to pay attention, you but know, to who's there. You're assuming that even if your enemy, that if your enemies come to your funeral, then that means they have made peace with you and are trying to pay respects. Or they're just wanting to be seen. Well, that's what I was going to say. Uh, uh, and I'm curious if uh, people have thoughts on this. 704-570-1110. I know it's not the happiest thing to think about, but I think it's an interesting thought about would you actively spell out that certain people could not come to your funeral if you if, if you were, were telling people how you wanted things? She says, um, because the reasons for showing up aren't always necessarily the best reasons. They didn't really like me. Uh, she hates fakeness. They have their reasons and good for them, but they don't actually really like me enough to show up to my funeral. And if they do, it's because it's the politically correct thing and they don't want to look bad to somebody else. So that's what Shannon Doherty says. Wow. And, and again, this is a woman who uh, it, it, would, it would appear is, is, close, is close to her final days because of all the things I... I itemized earlier. She's just had a rough go of it in the last 10 years and is battling cancer that's uh, it's spreading to all areas of her body. WBT. News Talk 1110 WBT 99.3 worldwide. WBT.com on the mobile app as well. Bo and Beth here. We have a lot of fun on this show, but we also talk about much more serious things at times. There's a, a story recently, Shannon Doherty, who played Brenda on uh, Beverly Hills 90210. And, uh, you know, one of the iconic uh, TV shows for, for the early 90s. Uh, Shannon Doherty has cancer, and Shannon Doherty's had cancer for um, over uh, about a decade now. And it's you know, she got it into remission for a while, and now it's back. And it's it was originally breast cancer. Now it spread to her bones, to her brain, to just all over her body and I, I think we see where this is probably going unfortunately but she made a comment and I'm paraphrasing on her podcast recently where she said um, there are certain people I don't want to come to my funeral you know and some people map out their funeral to the T some people don't at all but usually when you're planning a funeral it's you know planning hymns and planning a venue and planning people that will be involved but not often do you hear people say I don't want people to come. It's not. This is not the same thing as is is hoping they don't come. This is actually turning them away. Yeah. Um, and so we were talking about this, and um, we have a caller on the line, Tim, on line one, that wants to uh, uh, to talk about this in some way. Hi, Tim. Welcome to Good Morning, BT. Hey, good morning, Beth and Bo. How are you? Good. Hey, good morning, what's Tim. On, what's on your mind, Tim? 
Well, uh, seeing the fact my father passed away, and my other brother, and our family here, decided not to participate in any of the family. And um, he passed away. Um, he didn't show up. My brother didn't show up for his funeral, which I wanted to do a whole different story. Um, and then my mother passed away about three years ago. Um, but before she passed away, she had said that um, I wouldn't visit his brother. He didn't want to be a part of the family. He did not have enough respect to show up for uh, my father's funeral, but she did not want him to attend. Wow. And so uh, my other two brothers and I had decided that we had already um, made a point that we were going to make sure that this wish happened. So we had spoken to the senior director and said, if this individual shows up, human family is not allowed. She actually put that in writing before she passed away. Um, it's really sad. But that was one of her, her requests. Um, I mean, it was a respect issue on, on her end, so we were ready to make that happen. So you've been through this. You had that conversation with your mom, and you knew that that was one of your mom's wishes, and then you had to figure out how to make it happen that that your brother was not in attendance. That is correct. Wow, no. that's so hard, Tim. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that along with the grief of losing a parent. Those two things combined must have been incredibly trying on your heart. Absolutely. And, Tim, we're having a little bit of a problem hearing you, but I, I think we've made out enough so far. But I, So did you say that you said your mother put in writing that she did not want him to attend the funeral? Did he try to attend the funeral and you had to— and you had to prevent him from being there, or, or what happened there? Uh, no, sir. We actually, he didn't show up. Okay. We really expected him not to. But the thing was, is we were prepared. Yeah. Should he show up, we were prepared to, to make that happen. But he, he didn't, which didn't surprise me. Wow, Tim. I'm so sorry that you had to go through the loss of your father, the loss of your mother, and then, you know, kind of this this heartbreak on top of all of that, because that, that's a lot of grief to endure. We appreciate you being willing to yeah. share the story and being open enough to share the story. Yeah, and I apologize. if I, You might have said what my, what my question was, but our, our, our connection was a little bit uh, suspect here. So uh, I wanted to sort of articulate uh, the full picture of what he's talking about. But. Yeah, and we were talking, you know, last segment I was saying that— I think that there are times, especially as you're coming toward the end of life, where you're facing your own mortality and offering grace and forgiveness that you don't want to leave this earth with any kind of, of hatred or anything like that in your heart. And Michael wrote me and said, I agree. Whoever wants to come pay respects is welcome to come to my funeral. I won't be there to worry about it. I have seen people find peace from past wrongs at funerals, and hopefully whoever will preach the gospel and someone will come to Christ while they are there. Um, and that's a that's a huge point. You know, maybe maybe your funeral is a, is a, an opportunity for someone else to learn love and grace and forgiveness. Yeah, it it, it very very well may be a healing in yes. real time moment. Yes. Or completing the end of the healing process, or at least taking the. You can go the other direction and say be, make it be the first step in trying to make something right. Right, trying to make peace with what might have been a strained relationship when the person was there. News Talk 1110 WBT. Straight ahead, we have really positive, uplifting news to tell you about with the City of Hope CLT campaign. David Shadrick with the final numbers on our uh, holiday fundraising campaign. and uh, It's a jaw dropper. It is. It really is. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. News Talk 1110 WBT. Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman and honored as always to a welcome to the studio, one of our favorite People out there, David Chadwick, the senior pastor at Moments of Hope Church and uh, host of the David Chadwick Show on Sunday mornings. And I've been saying all morning and really all week, we have a huge announcement to make today. And half of me is is surprised and half of me shouldn't be surprised and because I've worked here a long time and seen what this with this microphone, and when it reaches all those listeners, what they then in turn do. And huge is an understatement, actually. I th- is there a word bigger than huge? I don't know what it is, Beth, <laughs> but it's fairly exciting for sure. And you guys know the history. We began this about uh, three years ago when we were in the middle of a pandemic, and we decided to try to help the biggest need in the community. That was feeding hungry kids and families, and especially during not only the December time period, but as organizations do their budgets and there's this time period, December, January, February, March, to the warmer months when the people they're serving can't work. They, they can't do the normal yard work or ha- construction work. So we just began this whole idea. And over the previous three years, uh, we raised $611,000 to give to different organizations feeding hungry kids and families. Well, we tried to be really audacious this year, and we, Moments of Hope Church, gave a $100,000 matching gift, the largest ever. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> you guys remember in early December, we both were going, mm, I'm not sure this is working. It was just trickling in. But the last week, as people, I think, got outside the Christmas holidays and began to think about, I really do want to give a year-end gift to someplace that's making a difference. The money just flooded in, and it's my pleasure. Wait a minute. Uh, i, I got to pull out the drum roll. Okay, right, got right. the drum roll. This deserves <laughs> a drum roll. Are you ready for this? Are we ready? Here, here we go. All right. We were able to raise this year total $240,000 to give to different organizations throughout the city that are serving hungry kids and families. It's an amazing accomplishment. We not only met the match, we blew through the match. I've actually been told there's still a little bit that's out there that's still going to come in, but even the $240,000 gift is well beyond what I could have ever hoped for or imagined. Well, and that puts the total at more than $800,000 over the past three years. $850,000, Beth, over the last four years we've raised. We're approaching them, and I think we'll blow through it next year during Christmas, that $1 million mark, which, again, is just uh, amazing. People out there with their generosity, trusting you guys with this microphone that you have uh, and also uh, the organizations that we have. And one of them is Brent Morris, who is head of Learning Help Centers. We've had him on the show before, but on the southwest corridor of town, he ministers to that pocket of poverty, especially among Latinos here who are just hungry and in need. And Brent, again, thank you for what you do in ministry. David, I'm still trying to get over the 240,000. That is unbelievable. When I was here last time, it was 40,000. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is just a tremendous um, show of gratification on the part of your listeners. I want to thank them. And just for taking the time, and I know it's busy, but that is going to make such a big difference, not just for Learning Help Centers of Charlotte, but for all of the City Hope Partners whose themes are feeding, reading, and healing. And uh, we are very, very grateful. And this is a tough time of the year, especially with colder weather 
cost of inflation, um, making sure people can pay their power bills. So anything we can do to supplement in terms of a warm meal, uh, we provide fruit and vegetables every week, and we actually feed kids weekly too. This is going to make a tremendous difference, not just for us, but for the whole community. So well, thank you. Brent, uh, let me take the $240,000 and break it down a little bit. And I have it in hand, a check that uh, WBT, Bo and Beth and David and this whole organization uh, is proud to give to you, uh, to Learning Help Centers of Charlotte, a check for $36,000 for wow. your ministry. Yeah. Wow. David, wow. that, is, that is just wonderful. So much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. G give us the name of somebody, just first name would be fine, uh, that that's going to help this week and, and how it's going to help them. Jessica, single mom, three kids, underemployed, looking for more work, teaching her how to feed her family and keep the roof over their head, making a, a tremendous difference for her and others like her. And that's what I want your listeners, Bo Beth, to know, that these are real people in our community. And if we looked at our community as, you know, a body, we would say that when part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. And there are people on the southwest side of Charlotte who are really hurting, and this is going to really help them out. So congratulations and thank you, first of all, to the WBT listeners who gave so generously, uh, but also, Brent, to you, who you're the hands and feet of the Lord to these people in need. We're just so grateful to partner with you. Yeah, it takes a village, David, and um, all of our partners, uh, church partners, community partners, they all have a hand in how we serve and take care of the least and the lost in our, in our city. Mm -hmm. So we're called to love our neighbors, and this is a big show of gratitude towards them. So we're very, very grateful. Thank you. But wait, we're not finished. No, we're not. We have one more. Rusty Price is in studio with us, and during the next segment, we're going to present to him his gift at Camino Church on the north side of town, ministering to some of the most impoverished people in our area. Hey, it's fun, isn't it, Bo? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, uh, if you're just joining us, uh, the big news uh, is that the City of Hope CLT campaign did achieve, not just achieve, but blew right past that $200,000, uh, 100000 and matching two hundred dollars uh, by way of Moments of Hope Church. Uh, we did it, and uh, now we're putting that money to work almost immediately. Welcome back to the Ty Boyd Studio, where magical things are happening this morning. I've seen them before, and um, I know I'll see them again. That's why I said to David, I'm halfway surprised by this, but halfway not. We just announced in our last segment that the City of Hope CLT campaign for 2023 into 2024 hit the mark of $200,000, the goal, and eclipsed it by $16,000. $216,808 is the final number. And uh, David and Beth were in the process of uh, already getting the money starting to work out in that community. Well, we had a little bit extra at Moments of Hope Church, too, because of some great year-end giving. So we went and added 23000 more to that uh, two sixteen. So it really is an official $240,000 gift because that twenty three would have come close to matching what the extra was as well. So it is just an extraordinary statement to our listeners and to the recipients of this gift in our community. And one other who's going to receive a gift today in studio with us is Rusty Price, who is the pastor of Camino Church, but Camino Ministries is on the north side of town. And really the, the word in a lot of Latin American countries for those coming across our border and good people, families that are trying to escape persecution and poverty, they hear Camino Church in Charlotte, North Carolina is a place where you'll be cared for. So 
literally they have dozens of people who show up on their doorsteps from all over the world almost every day. Wow. And Rusty, it's great to have you in studio with us. And, and your ministry, in my opinion, is one of the greatest holistic ministries in the area because you truly are caring for body, soul, and spirit. Too badly, sometimes the church only wants to care for people's spiritual lives. But you know what? When your body is hungry and it needs food, it affects your spiritual life. So thank you for being here today. And just share a, a real quick moment what Camino does. Yeah, so over this last year, year and a half, with all that's been going on at the border, we've been inundated with newcomers that have come here. And uh, we like to say we've kept them off the street in Charlotte out of the news because we've been able to help house and and feed and clothe and orient and get jobs for hundreds and hundreds of immigrants that have come just recently. Yeah, and, and you've said all along, too, and I've loved it, that as people bemoan the border situation, and there needs to be something done there to solve that yeah. problem, but you've said that maybe the future of American hope is in the browning of America because the vast majority of these people who are coming in are not criminals. They are people who have faith, family, and hard work embedded in their lives, and they're coming here to try to make their lives better and really would have a more conservative voting perspective yeah than what is expected by those who are trying to use the border for perhaps getting more yeah. votes in their my, party. My hat says, el futuro es Latino, the future is Latino. And that's <laughs> not like some kind of a slogan. It's a demographic destination that's inevitable in this country. Yeah. And it gives me a lot of hope because of the values, faith, family, hard work, education. Well, your ministry is amazing, and you are part of the City of Hope, nine different ministries that are doing incredible work throughout the city of Charlotte. We, we meet together monthly to talk about how we can cooperate together and do better ministry together, learn from one another. And I just admire you and your ministry so much. So it is my pleasure now to give to you as a part of this City of Hope CLT campaign that we did during December, knowing that this is going to help you with your budget, particularly during these cold months when a lot of your immigrants can't do yard work, can't do construction work, and are just sitting there trying to feed their families. So it's my pleasure to give to you, Rusty, a check for $36,000. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. City of Hope, thank you guys, Bo and Beth, and thank to all the listeners. I mean, I'm I'm amazed. It's it's amazing to be part of a community where people will take time to be generous, and this is going to help hundreds of people. We get, have the get, world's best listeners. Uh, just as, I'm just no, saying. Yeah, we really do, and I'm just, just like we did with uh, uh, Brent beforehand. Give us the name of somebody that this is going to help and how it's going to yeah, help. I, I'm in my mind right now. There's this family. The gentleman's name's Pedro. Um, wife, four kids. They've been here probably seven months. Uh, the 31st, they didn't have a place to stay because their landlord, um, their lease was up. And so um, we've been helping them the last few weeks, and uh, this is going to help them tremendously. And they're hard workers. They're working, but they're trying to save enough money for a deposit, and uh, this will help fill that gap. Well, uh, another successful campaign, David. Uh, yeah. When you walked in here that day and said uh, $200,000, and, and like you said a few minutes ago, it's $240,000 is our end point. But, you know, I know what this place can do. I know what these listeners can do. I know what your congregation can do. But uh, I love breaking records like this. I do, too. I'm in it to win it. <laughs> I like well, it's to, all to be love. successful. It is, Beth. It's it really all is. love. Yeah, it, it is. And as I told you, but when I walked in, there's one gentleman, 87 years old, who sent a $1,000 check and said, thank you that I can't go, but I can send myself with this money. So he's caring. He's the literal feet of Jesus in a real way in these different communities because 
he generously gave $1,000. Well, and uh, you said there was an overage, and you actually sent an additional check to Ken Gilliard, who was with I, us a I few did. weeks ago. We gave him 25000 last week. We didn't know how much was going to come in. We were so blown away last week that we sent him an extra $11,000 now to get him to that $36,000 level as well. Well, we consider all of you all family now, and I like seeing you every year and, and love hearing the stories. And I know that uh, both Brent and, uh, and Rusty will stay in touch and let us know how the money's working, because I think that's an important part of this, too. Exactly. And we want to continue reaching out to this community's needs because we know it's a great community. And may maybe Bill Graham can be begin some Latino friendships here so that he can get their, their vote here in this next gubernatorial outreach, huh? What do you think? See, I like how you uh, you move right into the tease for tease, next hour. Little tease, little segue. Uh, Bill Graham, uh, you all know Bill Graham for years, uh, talking uh, all legal things with us, but Bill Graham is now running for governor, and uh, coming up in our next hour, he's in studio, his first long-form live interview anywhere, and uh, we've got lots to talk about. Looking forward to that. So stay with us. Final hour of Good Morning BT straight ahead. Soul House, special to me. My grandfather built it. It's where he and my grandmother raised me. We worked hard for what we had, and that wasn't much. I'm Bill Graham. My grandparents taught me right from wrong. You tell the truth, show up for work, help people, get the job done. That's the North Carolina I grew up in. The Democrat politicians have been running Raleigh for too long. And liberals like Roy Cooper and Josh Stein, they're ruining our state. But Republicans, we keep losing to them. Let's change that. As governor, I'll cut taxes, I'll put people back to work. I'll go after violent criminals, including the death penalty for human traffickers and drug dealers. I'll require public schools to give parents a say in their kids' education. And unlike Raleigh politicians, I'll show up for work every day. I built my career on winning tough fights and I'll beat the radical left in November. I'm Bill Graham, I'm running for governor. Join me, let's take back North Carolina. When that commercial made its debut a few months ago, I, uh, I texted the guy who's uh, right in front of me and in front of Beth in studio and said, uh, so when are you going to do your first interview? And he said, well, we're getting some things together, and uh, when I'm ready, I'll call you. And true to his word, in studio with his first long-form, live, extensive interview is gubernatorial candidate Bill Graham. So uh, welcome to the room. I, 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 it's not the first time you've been in here, but it's definitely the first time since you've been in this mode. It is the first time since I've been in this mode, and uh, I'm um, making the rounds. Uh, obviously, this is the first live interview I've done, and um, uh, I promised you that I'd do this, and uh, here I am, and good to be back with uh, old friends. Uh, well, we're so thrilled to have you in here because we haven't gotten to off the air. Bo and I have both gotten to have conversations with you about mm -hmm. your decision to run. But we want everyone to hear the people who are familiar with you, who have been listening to our show. They were familiar with your Thursday appearances on our show. Mm -hmm. But let everyone know why you decided to throw your hat in the ring. Well, before I get into the um, the, the answer to the question, I, I just want to let everybody know that I've got my daughter, Caroline. She's uh, here making sure that uh, I stay on my, my toes. Um, <laughs> I wondered but, if you'd have an entourage, you know, now, because when you came in in the past, you know, Bill just, you know, kind of shows up part of the part of the show like uh, like normal. And I wondered whether you'd have an entourage. And uh, we met Caroline, and I, I think you've got all that you need. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's got her coffee. She's good to go. Um, to answer your question, Beth, um, I spent a long time going through the uh, um, thinking process and evaluation process, and there were a lot of boxes to check. Uh, as you all know, I'd been through this process before about 16 years ago, 
Uh, my daughter was much younger then. And um, I, I decided to, to get in it uh, because I, I want to bring a conservative future to North Carolina. And as Republicans, we have a uncanny talent of losing uh, the governor's race and, and also the attorney general's race. And I want to reverse that. I'm sick and tired of losing. And I was convinced that uh, the leading candidate for the Republican nomination is is going to lose in November, and he will if he's nominated. And so I want to try to do something about that. The people deserve a choice. The people deserve contrast. And the people deserve to know what I'm about and what my opponent is about. So that's why I'm in this race. Well, let's talk about Mark Robinson for a second because he's leading in the polls. Obviously, Dale Falwell, mm-hmm. uh, who also has made regular appearances on this show. We know Dale Falwell, the state treasurer, very well. Uh, Dale Falwell's in it. But Mark Robinson uh, has become a very well-known name in a short amount of time. And a lot of it has to do with some of the things he said. And, and, and a lot of times they're shocking things. But I think uh, when people found out you were entering the race, the first question probably was and still is, uh, okay, Mark Robinson has, uh, according to the polls, has a has a pretty sizable lead. It would appear at this point. Bill Graham's getting in the race late. Um, why do you think you can beat beat Mark Robinson? Well, because he's not a conservative. He's just flat out not a conservative. Some of the things he said would cause people to pause and question um, what what exactly is he? He's not who he says he is. So, an example. Uh, and the latest ad that I've got, just to inform the public, again, doing what I believe to do is the right thing to contrast what I'm about, lower taxes, strong participation for parental, parents in it, their children's education, tough on crime. I'm a former prosecutor. You all know that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I want to cut taxes. I want to cut taxes, remove the tax on overtime. I want to get rid of the tax, remaining tax on food. I want to get uh, first-time home buyers a leg up and give them assistance to get that first home to realize the American dream. That's what this campaign is about. But Robinson, it, um, it, he's not conservative as, uh, in any stretch of the imagination. Anyone's definition of conservative wouldn't fit this guy. So let me give you an example. He, he has issued more than one time and had a chance to clean up his anti-Semitic remarks, and that's the latest uh, campaign to educate the voters He's an anti-Semite. He aligns himself with Hamas. He might as well be uh, protesting with the river to the sea crowd. That's not conservative. That's not Christian uh, under anyone's definition. And the other thing that he does, he aligns himself with those people that would protect Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein and the sexual predators. He thinks that was a conspiracy against men. He, he thinks women um, are here to be subservient to men. And I was in uh, Greenville talking to a bunch of guys again the other day in Pitt County. And um, I said, I, I, you know, I was telling about the women being subservient to men comment. And I said, I don't know about y'all fellas, but that doesn't work at my house. And um, I had several of them. Some of them Robinson supporters say, well, that doesn't work at my house either. Doesn't work at my house. I, I, no, I would imagine it doesn't work at Bo's house. Uh, I bet it doesn't work at Bo's house either. <laughs> no, trust me. Now, let me uh, one follow up here on Mark, on Mark Robinson. So uh, we've talked to Falwell, and, you know, Mark Walker got out of the race and decided mm-hmm. to run for Congress. You know, Falwell has been saying ever since he got in the race that uh, he wants to debate. And Mark, Mark Robinson hasn't debated. It, it appears that Mark Robinson's taking the same uh, page in the book that somebody like Ted Budd did, where, or, or even Donald Trump in this national campaign 
campaign right now where he refuses to debate. Mm-hmm. And so I go back to the Robinson thing. He's obviously got a lot of name recognition, and he's he's tied with Trump. So when I thought about you running, I'm thinking, okay, just just from the outside looking in, uh, how are you going to close that gap of the, the the media attention that he gets and and the the, the, the notoriety? Uh, you got in late. Like, what's the strategy to try to, to try to to close the gap with him? Well, it it's sort of a um, a, a combination of strategy. First, if you'll see the commercials mm-hmm. and the reach out to the public, it was introduce myself or reintroduce myself um, after some time. There's a lot of new folks that have come to North Carolina. And um, they've moved here, and they really don't understand the dynamics of the, the history of North Carolina politics. But also understand and have realized, um, you know, you put a positive ad up, and then you educate you, you, the voter. Hey, this is who I am, and this is who he is, and then this is who I am again. Is is generally mm-hmm. the sandwich, right? So um, when I'm talking to, to donors, particularly large donors, and talking to people around the the, the state. There is a huge amount of undecided vote, enormous. And there's also a lack of awareness that we're a Super Tuesday state. This vote is going to happen the first Tuesday in March. And everyone that's a conservative can vote in this primary. If you're a conservative, you can vote. You go to the Board of Elections and say, you know, I want that ballot for a conservative uh, future. You can pull that ballot and vote for Bill Graham. Now, uh, I would also t- uh, like your listeners to understand that early voting starts in about 30 days, the day after Valentine's Day. So uh, we need to be aware that this is coming quickly. But if you look at the polls, Bo, there's a lot of undecideds out there. Well, do you think he's going to debate you? No. Yeah. He's scared. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman in studio talking to Bill Graham, who's running for governor. Of course, you know he's a, an attorney. We've talked to him about legal things for many years, but now... He's decided to throw his hat in the ring. North Carolina governor facing off in the GOP primary against Mark Robinson and Dale Falwell. And we're we're getting to know you on a different level today. Yeah, this is fun to get to know you on on this level, because I think the the last time you had your um, you were trying your hand at the governor's race, I believe it was 2008, if I'm not mistaken. And you last segment, we were just talking a little bit about how important it is when you're running in a primary to differentiate to differentiate yourself from the candidates who are running. And we, we touched on that a little bit, but let's elaborate some more on you, you mentioned that you wanted to get into the race because you really wanted to be a true conservative who was running for governor and to win the race, to win the governor's mansion back from the, uh, from the Democrats. So let's talk about a, a little more detail. Let's get in a little more detail about how you are different from right now, the front runner in this Republican primary, which is Mark Robinson. Yeah, so if you go to Mark's website, uh, he says that um, we don't need any more ladder-climbing politicians. And I agree with his website. We don't need another ladder-climbing politician, which is exactly what he is. He's a ladder-climber. And it not, not only that, Beth, he's a ladder-climber ladder climber that has not shown up for work. He has missed. Now, when he went into office as lieutenant governor, he told the people— that he was going to fix wokeism, right? I don't know if anybody remembers that. I don't. But let's let's assume that he was 
in, well intended. Uh, he didn't show up for work. He missed 100 votes. 100 votes. Now, I don't know about you, but conservative in my mind, in your last segment, you were talking about the hardworking people that were here in Charlotte needing a handout, and they work hard. They show up for work every day. This guy doesn't. He doesn't show up for work hardly at all. Now, he wants a, he wants a raise, and he wants a better job for not having shown up to work. That's not conservative. That's just not showing up for work. And I'll guarantee you, the folks at this station, if you had a job for for him and he didn't show up, he wouldn't be here very long. Um, you know, so he doesn't deserve a promotion. He doesn't deserve a raise, and he doesn't deserve to be governor. And he certainly doesn't deserve to be our nominee. He hasn't earned it. So he had a chance to go up there and make a difference, and all he's done is, is campaign for a job that he that he won't show up for. Now, one of the things we're watching on a national level uh, in the presidential race is obviously how things are going to shake out. you got New Hampshire coming up, and you just saw Iowa where President Trump mm -hmm. uh, won with 51 percent of the vote. Uh, and you have Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis hanging on, trying to still make a go of it. And we were talking earlier about uh, when, when, when the ultimate nominee uh, manifests, will the others get in line behind him? Uh, would you support Mark Robinson if Mark Robinson ends up getting the nomination? Uh, that'll be a very difficult decision, and I'll have to make that at that time. But um, I'm hopeful that I don't have to make that decision. And uh, I hope that um, I'll tell you one thing, and I'll tell you all, all your listeners, the same thing I told the folks down in Greenville, uh, Pitt County. If he's a nominee, you lose. Why would you want to pick a loser? Why would you do that? I mean, why would you contribute to a guy that you know is not going to win? I mean, if you're if you're Josh Stein, right, and you know you're going to get the Democratic nomination, which he's going to, they're licking their chops to come after this guy. National money's going to come in, and he's going to be the poster boy for the Republican Party, not only in this state, but possibly nationally, about some of the things he said about the Holocaust. He said that the Holocaust was hogwash. Now, let that sink into your head just for a second, that six million Jews, he put in quotes, six million Jews died, you know, making fun of the number, making fun of, of, of history. Um, he said that the Holocaust was hogwash. Now, now, you know who also said that the Holocaust was hogwash is the former president of Iran. Hamas says that. Now, how can you elect anybody to be the leader of anything when you're aligning yourself with Hamas? And we have, to, as we sit here today, we have Americans being held hostage by those thugs in the Gaza Strip. And he's lining himself with those people. Now, how is he, how, imagine the ads that are going to be coming. Imagine. So as you think about this race moving forward, a lot of people don't realize that our election here in North Carolina, our mm -hmm. primary election is part of Super Tuesday, that our early voting is less than a month away. It starts uh, the day after Valentine's Day. So you have a, a, a limited amount of time now between when between today and when people can start voting in this election. What is it you will do to try to continue getting that message to as many people as possible to try to un or, or, or close the gap, as Bo was saying, close the gap between your campaign and Mark Robinson's it's, campaign? It's coming on great shows like this and talking to the people directly and informing them of where he stands and where I stand and what their choice is and what the future 
uh, you know, the conservative future looks like for North Carolina. And, and we can grab it. We, it's within our grasp. We just got to we got to pin our ears back and make sure that everyone's informed. Campaigns are about education. Campaigns are about distributing information, factual information. And in the latest ad that, that I put up, I didn't say a word in the ad. I quoted him verbatim. I said, this is who this guy is. Now, if you want him to be your nominee, I just want you to understand that you're going to lose. I just want everyone to be clear on that. And if you, if you don't mind losing, then okay. But I'm sick and tired of it. WBT. Welcome back to the Ty Boyd Studio. Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman here, and we have in studio uh, running for governor, Bill Graham. And it's fitting that it's Thursday. This is actually the time for many, many years when we would talk to you about legal things right now. But obviously we're not doing that because uh, you have uh, made other plans to go and run for governor. And uh, you've been uh, running in official running mode for, what, a couple of months now? And this yeah. is the first a long-form live interview right. that you've done. And, and, and to your credit, you said that uh, when you were ready, uh, this is where you'd come first. So we're talking about uh, mounting that campaign, uh, first of all, in the primary and then in the general election. I mentioned going into the news, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the general election. Should you get there, what does a Bill Graham-Josh Stein matchup look like in your eyes? Uh, conservative versus liberal. Uh, conservative cut tax, smaller government, uh, more parental in, uh, involvement in education. We want to educate, not indoctrinate. Uh, we want to uh, tackle crime. I'm, I'm very, very. I'm going to be very, very tough on crime. And I know you can't turn on the news in this city um, without hearing about a shooting, without hearing about uh, some abduction, about. It's on everyone's mind. They don't feel safe. Not only do they not feel safe here in Charlotte, but they don't feel safe in Raleigh or Hickory or Winston-Salem or Greenville or Wilmington or Asheville. So uh, we're going we're gonna to tackle crime. Folks are not serving their sentences the way they should. And I know this for a fact because when we got tough on crime the last time, which was in the early 90s, uh, crime rates went down precipitously. And um, I was had a front chair on the front seat because I was a prosecutor in Cabarrus County in Rowan, and uh, we saw it firsthand. So we need to get back to some of that. One of the things that you talk about in the ad that we played earlier in the show is that you want to bring back or, or enforce the death penalty for things like uh, fentanyl, for fentanyl, but also for human trafficking. I just yep. worked on a documentary um, recently about human trafficking, and there is the the trafficking side, the people who are trafficking humans and but there is also a market and the people who are purchasing the people who are utilizing these human beings who are part of the human trafficking market does that include when you say that you wanted to enforce something like the death penalty on an issue like that does that include the people who are creating the market itself and providing the money for issues like this one for the the humans that are being exploited that's a fantastic question so you know if you commit a a, a drug offense or an offense that which is the underlying felony connected with you know the death or the trafficking of of a deadly substance i mean keep in mind fentanyl is so deadly, so deadly. Just a very, very small amount will kill you, dead as hammer, just as much as a bullet will. And so this, this, this fentanyl is coming chiefly out of China over the border, and we got to stop it. That's why we got to clean up this border thing. And and um, the the Republicans in the 
uh, House and Senate need to stay strong with the Biden administration with this Ukraine package. But I get off the subject. Um, the, the answer is yes, we've got to enforce the death penalty against human traffickers, particularly those that are trafficking in um, fentanyl. By the way, Caroline is is uh, she's sitting here to my left, uh, has a Ph.D. in human trafficking and from uh, Liberty. And she's uh, finishing up her dissertation. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. You're already smarter than us, but uh, that's just going to up the ante even He's more. smarter than me, so yeah. <laughs> it's a low bar. So um, let me come back around to uh, matchups here, because I think that's when, when people start learning about you and they start uh, doing their homework and they see the ads, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about Mark Robinson. And Mark Robinson, he, uh, almost a year ago, uh, endorsed President Trump. I think the implication is is that if Mark Robinson needed to pull in Donald Trump to come to come campaign for him, he'll probably do that somewhere along the way. You've got uh, Phil Berger, for example, endorsed Mark Robinson. So uh, when you see other high-profile GOP leaders going to his side, how do you counteract that? With the voter, the, the common everyday voter. That's what matters. The, you know, folks can collect endorsements all day long. I, I give you a historical reference that when we ran the first time, there was a fellow, a uh, nice fellow, uh, a well-meaning fellow uh, out of uh, Smithfield, Fred Smith had everybody's endorsement, everyone, every senator, every House member, you name it, he had it. And then Pat got in it with me, and Pat won the primary, eventually lost a general, uh, but then eventually became governor. All those endorsements, when the, when you go into the voting booth and, and the, the voter says, now listen here, um, I, I need a conservative here. Now, who's going? who am I going to pick? That's what's on their mind. And they've They've got their ballot in front of them. Who's the conservative? Who's the conservative? And, and in this situation, what they do is the conservative here that I need to pick for my future, my conservative future is Bill Graham. So that's what they need to be doing. And, and that's what I'm trying to get at. You know, the other stuff is nice. That's nice. And it carries a headline. But it doesn't affect the person when they go into the voting booth. Well, speaking of voters, voters yeah. are texting us and okay. asking questions. So I wanted to ask one of these questions. Far away. Um, Jay Austin writes in and says, my litmus test for a candidate, not the only one, but I would like to know Graham's stance on constitutional carry. For it. Yeah, I'm strong on Second Amendment. And I want to say something to the voters and the listeners about that. Um, while that's a federal issue, the state does play in, in that area. And I am a strong Second Amendment person. Um, back in the day, I used to have a manufacturing operation for ammo. I know like, y'all don't know that, but it was years and years ago, and I, I sold the business off. So I'm a very strong supporter of Second Amendment. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Ty Boyd Studio, Ho Thompson, Beth Troutman. We have uh, gubernatorial candidate Bill Graham in studio. Uh, Caroline, his daughter, is with us. 
I want to play something real quick here. And, and look, uh, we hope to talk. We've talked to Dale Falwell, obviously. I hope we can talk to Mark Robinson at some point and uh, allow the listeners to hear from everybody. I, and I would do this uh, if any of those other two guys came in here. I want to play your recent, your most recent campaign ad here. You read about Mark Robinson's past. The facts are disturbing. Robinson has a history of making anti-Semitic statements. Robinson downplayed the Nazis, suggested the Holocaust wasn't real. He wrote, this foolishness about Hitler disarming millions of Jews and then marching them off to concentration camps is a bunch of hogwash. And Robinson still believes it. Do you apologize for writing what you wrote? I apologize for the wording, not necessarily for the content. It's disgusting. Mark Robinson, he's just plain wrong for North Carolina. Bill Graham, uh, that's the latest ad. Uh, one thing uh, that people notice so far is uh, you are advertising everywhere, and uh, that is uh, obviously a big part of your strategy is to blanket the state. And I assume that uh, people in other counties and cities are seeing as many ads as we're, we're seeing here in Charlotte. They are. Um, the frequency, uh, you know, I don't do the media buzz. It's not my gig. Um, I'll leave it to the experts like y'all. But, um, yeah, we're in all 100 counties. Uh, you know, some of the western counties are Atlanta markets, so there's a little bit sparse there. But, yeah, everywhere. Well, you just got a, an email, Beth, about somebody who had a suggestion, which I love. Yeah, well, I've gotten a couple of emails, so I'm going to read two. People are interested in what you have to say. Uh, our first message is from Floyd. He said, I like what I hear from Bill, and I'm glad he's from our part of the state. I will not vote for Mark Robinson. And then we got a message from Michael, and I really like this one. And I would uh, I hope Mark Robinson is listening. He says, good morning, Bo and Beth. Any thought on trying to arrange a debate between Mark Robinson, Dale Falwell, and Bill Graham in the style of the District 8 debate? That's a debate that uh, we are doing on January 31st. That's from our listener, Michael. That would be something you'd be interested in doing, right, Bill? Absolutely. Well, yeah. You, you, I, I mean, I, I told, uh, you know, candidates in the last time I ran, um, let's put some people in an audience. I don't care who they are. Anybody. Uh, turn the cameras on and go. Well, you said you don't think that Mark Robinson will debate. I don't think he will either, based on what I've seen so far. I Look, from where we sit, I think the more debate, the better. Yeah. I, I think debate should be a requirement for every candidate. Unfortunately, I feel like we're headed towards a, a general election season uh, in the presidential ring where they're not going to debate. And I think that's terrible. And so from that standpoint, I want to see I want to see what a Bill Graham versus Mark Robinson mm -hmm. back and forth is. But I as I say that um, I'm being realistic and it's probably not going to happen. You're spending a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd like to debate Mark Robinson, but that's probably not going to happen. So, you know, you're going to have to get that MAGA contingent of the votership and we know that's not the entire republican party anymore what do you say to them if they're listening right now and you know, they won't get to see you debate mark robinson most likely but you have the floor with them right now what do you say to them he's doing you a disservice he doesn't respect you as a voter for not having to, uh, offered himself up to let us hear you know the candidates debate he's doing the voter a disservice he's disrespecting the voter that's another reason not to not to select this guy as your nominee because what's he going to do? He's going to run from a fight. This is a fight. This is a fight about the conservative future for our state. And he needs to join the fight. And I would call on him to do exactly that. What's he going to do when Josh, if he's the nominee, let's say, Josh wants to debate, that'll be expected. How's he going to hold up? They don't know. So the whole primary process is, is about two things. Selecting the winner, a, a winner for your party, 
and educating the voter about what that winner is going to bring as a future citizen of this state. That's what this primary is about. So I'm introducing myself. I'm making the contrast. And I'm saying we need to win a conservative future for our state, and we can do that if I'm elected as the uh, standard bearer for the Republican Party, and I'll take the fight to the left. Now, one of the other candidates in this race, uh, in this primary, is Del Falwell, the mm -hmm. current state treasurer. This is one of the things I love about you. You like to take calls. You like to take questions yep. from the voters who are out there. We had a caller call in who asked, he wasn't a Mark Robinson supporter. He likes Del Falwell, has heard Del on our show, and he was wondering the difference between a Bill Graham governorship and Del Falwell, what the difference is between the two of you. The difference between uh, Dale and I is, and I think Dale is, a, it, by definition, Dale is a CPA, and he's been, I just want to let all the voters know, I, I like Dale. Dale's a friend, and he has been a fantastic treasurer, fantastic. And all the people out there that rely on retiree accounts and the state employees and stuff, Dale has been no better fiduciary than uh, th that they could have. And so I encouraged him when we were he was talking about running for governor, and I hadn't decided yet. And I hadn't even—it wasn't even on my radar. I said, "Stay the treasurer, stay the treasurer." So I, I believe Dale should stay the treasurer, but um, he's determined he's going to run for governor. Here's an interesting question: uh, I know you're going to do everything you can to be the nominee. Yeah. Uh, in the event that you're not, would Mark Robinson or or Josh Stein be a better governor? Oh God, I. I, I don't even want to think about that future. Um, can I can I put my blinders on and not think about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, uh, you as I said at the beginning, you were true to your word, came in and sat down with us, and I, I assume and hope uh, we'll have more conversations between now and and the election. And uh, as I say to all the candidates, good luck, and we hope. Uh, I hoped uh, I would love to get all of you together for a debate. I think I know. I know. I think I can say Dale Falwell would do it. Yes, I but know we could get the two of you on a stage together. Sure. The Mark Robinson part of it is uh, going to be a tougher uh, one to climb, but we'll, we'll, we'll give it a shot and we'll stay in touch. And uh, any, any final words? Well, I, I just want to say, you know, we're all family here. Um, if I win, I'll be back. Or when I win, I'll be back. And if, if for example, you know, the voters say they don't want me, uh, I'll still be back. Well, see, we win both ways. Right? You, you win both ways. Now, now if you're governor... Uh, are we still going to do the Thursday regular slot? Yeah, we can. That'd be that, great. That's, that's putting. I'll, I'll, no, no, no. Thursdays with the Governor right Graham. There. That is. <laughs> I'll come in and I'll take calls and um, we'll talk about whatever's uh, you know going to happen in the future and whatever's happening in the present. Well, that's what I said. We are the, the, th the Thursday nine thirty-five is a standing uh, offer. Whatever. Whatever, whatever happens. Whatever mode you're in when you come back, right? Yeah, I'll All be right. here. Bill Graham running for governor, and like we always say, we welcome the other candidates as well. We know Dale Falwell very well. Mark Robinson has not come in here yet, but uh, the offer is out there right this moment. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Great show. We'll be back tomorrow here. And don't forget, Beth and I will be moderating a conversation with the city and county manager at the Sharbar 7 Hood Hargett Breakfast Luncheon. Slash luncheon today. We're off. We're changing clothes and headed out there right now. 1130 to 1. And tomorrow we'll be live from the Union County Ag Center for the uh, Union County Crime Stoppers debate. we got a lot going on. We better get out of here.